0: Hello, my friends. I don't mean to make you afraid. I don't mean to make myself afraid. I didn't mean for her to be afraid. I didn't mean for any of this. Maybe not in the last few hundred years or so. I think in recent times. Perhaps that's what I did mean after all perhaps knowing that I could not have something else. Then making you afraid was the only option at my disposal. But before that, long before I slept and long before I woke and slept again and woke again, but long, long before all that. I did not want to make anyone afraid. No. Never. Never. Long, long ago, I just wanted to live. I didn't want anyone to hurt or to fear or to sorrow. But that's of little consequence. What we want and what we do are two very, very different things. And now I'm confused, being confronted with all of this. It is what we do that defines who we are. And I've been doing nothing, and yet too much all at once. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I failed you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you don't understand. But I don't know what else to say. I don't know. Do you? Huh. Well, don't worry. It's past. The past can be past, and I can be here with you now, and we can be whatever we want to be. Did you know that? Did you know that we could be whatever we want to be? Even if no one else believes it? What do you want to be? I want to be magic. I think there is such a thing. I don't think it's what we think it is, though. I think, instead, it doesn't come from us, but rather this world. Perhaps those of us who are able can draw this magic from the earth, from the soil and the water and the trees and the air, and make things better. Or worse. Whichever. If you could work your will through the magic of this world, what would you bring out from it? What would you want to draw from this world? I think I should like to draw its strength, its steadfastness, its calm, its mystery. The way that the mist on the water is so beautiful. Not because of what you see, but because of what you don't see. Because of what waits beyond it. Behind the mist. For my story this week, I'd like for you to imagine, whether with your eyes closed or with your eyes open, whatever you feel you need, that mist on the water. In my mind, it is a swamp, thick with trees and plant life, and the ones on the shore are indistinguishable from the ones in the water, so one can never really tell where it begins and where it ends. And in this fog, there is no telling which direction one may be headed toward. To row out in these waters is to give in to being lost to the world, giving yourself up to it, and to let it take you wherever it wants. I was in this swamp once, this same swamp that three young people in a tiny rowboat once found themselves in. these youths had taken the tiny craft from land about a mile back and rowed deliberately towards the oncoming mist. Just as some people describe the feeling of looking at a great void from a great height and having the strange and unexpected urge to leap, these three saw the mist from the land and felt an irresistible pull towards it. Though rowing into it was no doubt madness and perhaps death, They had to go into it. Fearful yet without hesitation, they stroked the oars of the boat through the water slowly yet steadily and went onwards into the mist. I won't tell you much about them, for that's not what this story is about. It is not about their lives on land, it is not about their pasts that they were leaving behind. This is about what was calling to them in the mist, and what they found out there. They sat, one in front of the other on the small little boat, and they sat in silence. They were so wrapped, so absorbed by the fog and finding out what hid inside it, that they didn't want to break the blessed silence. The town they came from knew the dangers and the draw of the fog every now and then it came for this was a common occurrence in a swamp and each time it came the people who lived on the shore knew to go inside and shut the doors and the windows don't let it in and don't look at it don't look at it for too long or you'll be sucked into it children were told frightening stories about monsters in the fog so that they wouldn't dare stray towards it even the skeptics The most educated folk in town all thought better of underestimating it. But whenever it came, without a doubt some brave souls went towards it. Usually young adults who wanted to prove something or discover something. For it is these poor things who feel the most dissatisfied, the most full of longing, and the most eager for beauty and adventure. And so... Every time the fog came, anywhere from one to five young people from the village would invariably go out into it. And they never came back. Anyway, back to our three in the boat. The soft tendrils from the weeping willows swept in and out of their faces, The water softly rippled around them as they respectfully, gently moved their oars through it, as though in a trance. The mist was a beautiful silvery grey, and when the water could be glimpsed, it seemed to sparkle and shine in a way it never did before. The further and further in they went, the land became more and more beautiful and silver and grey and sparkling and shining. It seemed that the willow trees dripped with dewdrops that looked rather like diamonds. And it sounded as though the crickets and the birds came together in a harmonious choir, begging the three to go further, to keep going further. It only gets more and more beautiful. They rowed on and on, and truly the choir of the swamp didn't lie. It did grow more and more beautiful in front of their eyes. The diamond dewdrops were joined by golden fireflies that lit up the mist. They seemed to reflect themselves off the water, making it seem as though the water itself was glowing from within. The third rower the one at the back of the boat, couldn't help but lean over and look into the water. Ah, what a sight they saw when they glimpsed their reflection. Their drab and dirty hair was adorned with gold and jewels. Their bleak, poor clothes replaced with fine silks. Their fingers were decorated with rings and chains, glorious and fine, and certainly worth more than everything they would ever own in a lifetime. When they looked up, Standing there in the mist was a glorious king, wearing a golden cloak over his back and covering his face, and a large golden jeweled crown reaching up towards the branches of the trees. He extended a hand in the direction of the third youth in the boat, and from his fingers dripped pearls and gold coins and perfectly formed diamonds. He turned around and began to slowly walk away, into the mist, which soon swallowed him up. Desperate to take even just a few of those beautiful riches, the third rower leaped into the water and began to wade towards the figure. The other two in the boat didn't even look in the direction of the splashing noise in the absence of their friend. They were after their own prize. In fact... Soon after, the second rower was distracted by their reflection in the water, too. Their face, normally weary with work and red from the sun and dirty from the farm, was clean and perfect. Their eyes were large and shining, and their lips were smiling and red. Though before tonight, this poor young person was often ignored or mocked for being disheveled and plain, When they looked in the water here, they were absolutely gorgeous. They looked happy, lovely, clean, and perfect. Their hands moved up to their face, and the hands in the reflection weren't calloused and grimy with work, but rather elegant and soft and manicured. And when they looked up to the shore, they saw a fine knight in shining silver armor. He was tall and strong with long, beautiful hair, and, though its finer details were cloaked in shadow, an apparently strong, handsome face. He reached out a hand towards the second rower, his other hand over his chest in apparent heartache. He then turned and walked away into the fog and disappeared. The second rower instantly fell in love with the handsome, sad prince and called out to him, but he did not come back. So they leaped into the water and began to wade towards the figure. The first rower heard the splash and felt the boat grow lighter, but they did not turn. They did not stop rowing. This rower looked forward. They did not look into the water. They did not look behind them. They did not look around them, only forward, where the boat was pointed. Into the never-ending mist where the fireflies still mingled, though it seemed fewer and fewer of them were appearing. Avoiding their own reflection, they simply kept rowing, and the fireflies eventually died out, leaving the lost youth in the moonlit mist, dark and deep until the boat docked itself as it ran into a small patch of land. It was only big enough for a few trees, sparse and black and with no leaves or flowers on them. They heard hoarse breathing. They took one step out of the boat, and though their foot was met with wet mud, It found purchase, and they took a few steps on land. A figure was leaning against a tree. Barely visible in the mist, the young person took several steps forward, steady yet full of trepidation. As the figure came into view, the youth saw that it looked like a man, but not quite. They didn't see the golden king or the silver knight that their two companions had seen. But this figure was the same height and stature as them, though thin and weak and neglected, covered in dirt. The other two hadn't seen his face, and yet here it was, drawn and gaunt like that of a corpse, almost skeletal. His gums were drawn back, and his opalescent teeth snarled in the direction of the young person in front of him. Most strikingly were the two golden firefly eyes, set deep in his skull. Black, matted hair hung in front of his face, string-like and wretched. He seemed to be some kind of growling animal, writhing and hissing in a language the youth didn't understand. And when they looked down, they saw that his hands and body were chained to the tree. The youth had been told to beware the swampland. There are fearsome creatures who live in the water. The youth didn't know that perhaps those creatures had been left here for dead because of their fearsome powers, and that was why they were so vengeful. Perhaps they were left by the very townspeople who feared the fog so... And the youth didn't know until now that there are some creatures so old and so powerful who hide in the swamps and the woods and the caves of this world who cannot be defeated, even by hundreds of years of being chained to a tree. So instead they suffered, and they claimed wayward souls who drifted their way into their swamp. Poor ancient creature. The youth immediately felt pity for them. With a few hours of difficult effort, they concentrated on sawing the ancient chains apart with a dagger they'd brought. The creature with the firefly eyes went silent, not daring to hope that it might finally be free. And when the chains did break apart, he took one great dive off his little island into the waters of the marsh and disappeared after a few moments of silence and patient waiting from the young rower. The ancient being then launched himself out of the water and into the air, where he hovered in the fog and watched his Liberator with inscrutable glowing eyes. His face wasn't quite so corpse-like now. It seemed more alive, more vital and more healthy, though he was still terrifying to behold a horrible, cruel kind of spirit or creature or warlock or sprite. Whatever he was, he was as old as the swamp, and it seemed to move him and move with him. I owe you a debt, adventurer. He began, crossing his legs midair, his arms floating up to his sides. His fingers seemed to twist and turn, and the mist twisted and turned with them. He was very graceful and very fine, even for the hideous cruelty in his face. It was a long-earned cruelty that the youth did not begrudge him. For finding me and releasing me from the cruel bonds of your ancestors, I will let you leave this swamp alive, and I will keep the fog from your town.
1: I have souls
0: enough to sit me for another thousand years. The laugh that followed this was dark and mirthless, and the youth could swear that he heard hundreds of young voices cry out in the depths of that laughter. The youth shook their head. No, more than this, you must let my two companions return home. The swamp sprite lowered his arms, and the fog faded from the swamp just a little. It lifted just enough that within it the youth then saw the hundreds of sad young faces, all with firefly eyes, all with sad, gaunt, deathly faces. They all faced the youth on the island. But at the front of the crowd, on either side of the horrible sprite, were the other two who came to the swamp this night. Their faces were still alive, not yet drawn and drained of blood. But the spirit held the keys to their chains, invisible as they were, just like he did to all the other lost spirits of the fog here, and he wouldn't easily part with them. Why would I do this? Because I will remain with you willingly, the youth said, taking a step into the swamp that they loved so dearly. They looked at the image of the trees within the fog. They looked at the fog itself, sitting placidly on top of the water. This was beauty. This was adventure. This was home. The youth had not been drawn in by some kind of magic spell or ghostly call. They were called only by the earth, and their longing to return to it. With a smile and a snap, it was done. The adventurer's two companions eventually found their way to the shore, and the town was shocked and confused and grateful that anyone had returned at all. As for the third young rower, well No one seemed to even remember They lived in the town in the first place A casualty of the fog The fog Which never drew anyone towards their doom again Because If someone strayed a little too far into the swamp On a misty night They might see a young person in a boat Rowing And behind them Two fireflies, watching vigilantly. Turn back, the one in the boat seems to say. Turn back and cause no harm. When I saw the rower in the boat and the fireflies behind them, they were no longer a young human. They were splendid, though spirit only. Just like the sprite who never strayed too far, a beastly kind of fairy sorcerer, a feral guard for a feral king. The swamp belonged to them both, and together they remain vigilant. They protect one another, they protect the wandering spirits of young people long past who wander with their own lost firefly eyes themselves. More importantly, they protect the swamp. Be well, my friends. Hello, everyone. I hope you've been doing well. Thank you so much for listening to episode 56 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is Kristen, the one who writes, performs, produces, etc. You know, Kristen. I'll keep things brief this week. If you'd like to help out the show, a great way to do that would be to write us a review on iTunes. You can also do so on Stitcher or on our Facebook page, but iTunes would be particularly helpful. I'll most likely give you a shout out here and on social media. Next you can follow us on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on our Facebook page, as I mentioned. You can also follow me on YouTube. It's just on a Dark Cold Night, easy peasy. Give me a shout out anytime, I will do my best to reply, and I'd love to hear from you. It's also a great way to spread the word to other people who may like the show, um, which would also be a huge help. If you want to help out a different way, a great way is to support me on Patreon. As I said, I write, perform, edit, record, compose the music, run the social media, all that fun stuff, so I could really use some help if you're able. You can find me at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight, where for any amount pledged monthly, you can get access to my frequently updated soundtrack of the show. So that's pretty cool. If you don't care about that and you just want to donate once, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight, which would also be great. Finally, if you listen to us on the free Radio Public app, I get paid for every listen there, so it's a great free way to try to make sure your podcaster gets paid for their work, which is super cool. Um, Check it out. Thank you again for tuning in this week. Take care of yourselves. If you have trouble sleeping and that's why you listen to this, then I hope this helps you drift off into pleasant, foggy dreams of mystical creatures and strange fireflies. Have a good night, my friends.